1: Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Chris Howard, Senior Enlisted Leader of the 960th Cyber Operations uh, Group. And uh, today I actually have uh, a guest with me that's going to ask me a bunch of questions. I have...
0: Uh, I'm Samantha Matheson. I am the 433rd Airlift Wing uh, Public Affairs Specialist, but I also serve as the 960th Cyberspace Wing PA Liaison with the 433rd Office.
1: You're also the brains and the fingers that make all of this happen, right? (laughs) So you're our editor, you're the the person in charge of all these podcasts. So I wanted to take an opportunity to say thank you for um, the past year's work, right? We've managed to develop a lot of content. We've been able to have a lot of great conversations Um, and all the great work that you've done is what uh, makes that work. So thank you.
0: Yeah, and we're actually uh, just recently passed by the 70-episode mark. I don't know if you're aware of that, I was
1: not, no. Wow, there's that much of me talking out there. Right
0: now. <laughs> oh, not just you. I mean, right. uh, Miss Frances Martinez uh, has done quite a few resiliency messages, she you has. know.
1: And of course, the boss, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, of course, Colonel Aridge, And we've had a lot of guests. Some some have been reoccurring, like uh, Casey Aridge, Key Spiles. She's been on quite a few times. And oh, I can't think of anyone else right now. Sorry, but.
1: <laughs> it's all good, right? There's just, Well, there's so much out there now. So it's, it's hard to remember everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so um, anyway, I just... The reason I wanted to have this discussion with you, Chief, and uh, come on board is because I know absolutely nothing really about cyber or the the cyber domain or what what it's really about. I know some things, but I am by no means uh, an expert. Um, I know PA things, but I don't really know cyber. I did not grow up in the cyber world. And sometimes y'all start talking about things and I'm completely lost. It sounds like Greek to me. So is it okay if I go ahead and uh, ask you some questions and you can fill us in and break it down for us?
1: I will do my best. I'm not, uh, I don't have a doctoral thesis in this. (laughs) I can give you the novice level um, with uh, what experience I have, but yes, let's let's go ahead and dive (laughs) into this.
0: Awesome. So for our listeners out there who may not have a cyber background, can you just give us an all around layman's term picture of what is cyberspace?
1: What is cyberspace? Right. So I have been asked that question a few times. I've thought about it quite often. And then how do I break it down to individuals that are not in it? Right. So when we talk about a lot of our mission partners, um, when we talk about the air domain, the land domain, the sea domain, these are things that each one of us have probably experienced. If so we've been to the beach, touch the ocean, you know what that domain is. I walk around or I take a uh, I, I'm on land. Right. Some of us have flown you know, whether you're taking an air flight or whatever. So we've, we've experienced each of those domains. So the next domain, when we talk about is space, is I've seen pictures. I know that there's satellites out there. I can see things flying out there, right? Um, I know these things exist. So when we talk about cyberspace, it's a little bit more nebulous, right? So I think of the matrix, right? I think of these things that are totally different and abstract. So how do we define what cyberspace is? And the reality is cyberspace is an a all-digital domain, right? There is no... It's global. There's no real hard uh, defining thing that you can look at. It's a bunch of in-use devices. So when we talk about computers and we talk about smartphones, we talk about just about any electronic item and they're all connected. So then we hear the term cloud, right? Mm -hmm. What's the cloud? What's the (laughs) cloud? Um, And, you know, you have this nebulous thing of this big picture. And and does that mean that ones and zeros are flying back and forth? Uh, Is it just some kind of big open space that just magically travels? Um, And the hard reality is, is that all of this is a mixture of different levels of hardware and software that break this domain into something unique Um, and um, pretty organic when you think about it, uh, of the way it grows. But um, you got all the wires that connect the devices, then you have all the wireless devices. right? So now we do have um, RF connections in most cases uh, for uh, the Wi-Fi. Um, which then still goes to hardware, which then goes to servers and databases and all these things, right? So it's all digital. And then based on um, quality of service uh, tagging and um, development of different lines and routing packages makes it somewhat organic. It's, it's, It's breathing, it's living. And then when you add the unique user experience, um, then that really changes that domain. So, you know, we have gaming, everybody games, right? Mm-hmm. Most yep. people game, or everybody uses their phone. All of this stuff is connected, right? So, um, and for each change in application, for each uh, new server that gets brought online, that domain further expands. Um, you know, when we talk about the internet of things, Any kind of uh, degree plant you go into now uh, has at least a small small slice of the Internet of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time you buy something now, it's almost always connected to the Internet. So for each one of those new devices that gets connected, the domain grows and grows and grows and grows, which then leads us to the business of cyberspace. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Um, As the domain grows, um, there's one more entry point into this nebulous cloud. So. I think that kind of leads us to the next question,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, an amazing explanation, and um, not going to lie, Chief, you geeked out a little bit. But
1: <laughs> I-, I warned you before we started. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's amazing. Uh, the show is for everyone, so uh, I appreciate that awesome explanation. But the um, let's hone this down a little bit. Let's let's talk specifically nine sixtieth and how it fits into. Uh, the cyber domain, like what do we do to fit into that picture and to support uh, the air force reserve's objectives in cyberspace
1: okay, right so uh, going back to where I finished off with the last piece, right? so we have all these different connections the The DoD has to protect all of the connections, all the pieces, and all the information that falls into our specific domain mm-hmm. or portion of the larger cyberspace domain. Um, so the Air Force, they, uh, the DoD have different agencies. You know, when we talk about you know AF Cyber specifically, then we talk about Sixteenth Air Force. Then we talk about the cyber wings that are underneath that with the Six Hundred and Eighty Eighth and Sixty Seventh uh, Cyber Wings. Um, the Six Nine, uh, <laughs> the Nine Sixtieth specifically comes into play. There is as an associate to both the Sixty Seventh and the Sixty Eighth Cyber Wings. And then what we do is we provide that surge capacity and on demand uh, capacity to both of those wings and the weapon systems they specifically house. We are actually the only uh, reserve cyber wing currently, and we are the only cyber wing that actually has um, all of the weapon systems encompassed within uh, our wing.
0: Huh, that is really cool. I I actually didn't know that. So um, all the units that we have... Uh, each specific unit has its own weapon system. Is that right?
1: For the most part, there are a couple of units that do have similar weapon systems
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that are still associates to individual units, right? But for the most part, yes, we do have a different weapon system for each unit, which is kind of unique, right? And then when you look at the, the, the complexity of what that does for a, a wing like this, um, we have geographically separated units, all with the individual mission sets supporting uh, RegAF units, and that's across the whole continental U.S. So then the other piece is, is that when we talk about traditional domains, when we talk about land, sea, and air, you know, using the Air Force specifically as an example, um, a fighter wing would have probably one airframe, maybe two, mm-hmm. right? And it's all housed uh, and built to focus on that airframe and that mission set and support that mission set. So, um, you know, their stand about, all of that stuff is built Towards that, when we talk about uh, cyber and having six different unique weapon systems. Mm -hmm. Now, think about what kind of support that requires and all the different levels of knowledge that you have to have throughout uh, the organization to ensure that we are getting after that mission set appropriately. And we're resourced appropriately and we're executing the mission appropriately while meeting all of the normal demands day to day Air Force work.
0: Definitely sounds very intricate and complicated. <laughs> it can be. It's
1: it's a, a I like to for an analogy, right? Um, those old school uh, late night TV shows where they have the guy that comes out with the spinning plates and how many we can get going. Um, <laughs> I would say that we have probably close to fourteen different plates spinning at the same time, trying to keep those uh, wobbling while managing uh, the tr aspect of uh, a lot of our airmen.
0: Yeah, that certainly sounds extremely challenging. Um, I can't even imagine how y'all do this. But of course, I, you know, we're the greatest Air Force in the world, I think. But <laughs> <Hands> down, <laughs> so, of course. so we make it happen. <laughs> right. So one thing I wanted to ask is we call or each unit has what's called a weapon system. So right. traditionally, weapon systems tend to look more like uh, missiles or airframes or something like that. So can you just uh, describe what a weapon system in the cyber domain looks like?
1: Sure. So, yes, when we talk about weapon systems, we think of um, ballistic. We, we think of kinetic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we think of aircraft with missiles. We think about, you know, ships with missiles. We think about aircraft with bombs. We think about airmen with bullets. You know, we think of an M-16. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, infantrymen and we talk about uh, marines, they carry their M16, they land in their um, in their location, and then they fire their weapon to be effective. Um, what does a weapon system look like? So, when I first came into cyber, I, I tried to attribute that to basically an airman with their laptop, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, to 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 get the the visual effect of it, but going back to explaining um, what is the cyberspace domain. Um, and what does that look like as far as infrastructure? The weapon system is a unique combination of hardware and software and algorithms, right? So what we have is applications through software attached to a, a, individual hardware at different locations throughout the domain to give us the desired effect. So we have things that are looking at information, collecting information, analyzing information, and providing feedback to our individual uh, Airmen, our operator in the seat, which then can leverage other software and hardware to either protect uh, the domain, identify and isolate uh, risks, isolate potential threats, quarantine those threats, and then break them down and then also then provide feedback and eventually um, a response to each one of those threats. Mm. And, it's, you know, so it's really hard to kind of grasp what me at least, you know, a visual aspectation of that. But, you know, if you're thinking about an aircraft, um, we're talking about reconnaissance aircraft with the, that maybe even be armed, right? Let's even look mm-hmm. at a drone. So a drone, we have a camera, it's providing feedback. That's our, our eyes and ears. These pieces of hardware or sensors are drawing in that information. Um, and then, you know, we have uh, analysts looking at that and then we're able to fire for effect. So a drone would be pulling in that information, providing it to the operator, the operator making the decision, on uh, what that's gonna, what that actually is, defining what the target is, getting authorization and firing, boom, Mm -hmm. boom, boom. Similar in cyberspace, we have our operator in front of their their device, they're getting information, they're seeing what this looks like, they're uh, analyzing it, making a determination, and then they're able to defend and fire against it.
0: Awesome, so my understanding based on everything you just said is each weapon system is unique Depending on the emission set of the unit, is that
1: correct? correct. Right. So to go a little bit further, right? Uh, I gave you a very broad term, and I apologize <laughs>
0: no, uh,
1: on all weapon systems, but specifically some of the software and specifically some of the hardware that gets used helps define which each and at what level within the domain also defines what that was weapon systems responsible for. So going back to traditional communications, I'm going to geek out for a second, <laughs> and I apologize. And hopefully, I don't no, lose you. Please. Um, you know, there's multiple layers right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different gates, right? So communications, uh, you know, your phone and your internet and all that stuff gets co-located into to pipes and, and stuff like that. So, and, you know, bigger pipes just keeps on going. All these mm-hmm. different streams to large to large pipes, right? So within weapon systems, there are the different layers of those pipes to, to see what's going on, defining, being able to peel out and then do different things at le- different levels, as well as uh, each different weapon system has different applications and software and algorithms Um, that all look for specific things, uh, specific threats, and get after that. And I do have to add one more definition, right? When we (laughs) talk about uh, the cyber domain and the 960th specifically. So 960th is uh, predominantly focused on DCO, which is defensive cyber operations. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this, please take it with a grain of salt, is defensive perspective. We haven't really talked about any of the offensive side of the house, Mm -hmm. um, but that's because 960th is DCO-centric.
0: Okay, yeah, that was a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know I apologize. I'm trying to make it as, uh, as uh, exciting as possible, but. No. Can be dry.
0: <laughs> no, it's good. it's good. So I, I mean you're learning me something and that's the whole point of this podcast honestly is okay. you know not just me learning something but explaining our purpose and reasons for being here um, uh, to our audience as well, you know right. So um, I appreciate that uh, geek out moment.
1: No problem. I did warn you, again, to be fair.
0: <laughs> so uh, from a PA perspective, uh, one of the uh, interesting things I've run into working uh, closely with the 960th is uh, the sensitivity of information and offset concerns. And so I, I just want to throw this out there, Chief, and you can have your input, too. But I know sometimes people think like there isn't a lot of stories that get put out there about cyber and and the extent of what we're doing and how far reaching our impact is. Um, and so just want to put out there to the audience that sometimes we choose not to tell uh, stories just because it is too sensitive and there are offset concerns because we are functioning in a defense capacity and PA ties into that, you know, when it comes to what stories we tell versus what we choose not to tell. And so that's a constant um struggle i deal with uh, a lot of the times i'll i'll get a a story idea from someone or someone will say hey you know this unit did this awesome thing you know and i'm like wow that would be a great story to tell let's do it and then just for uh someone to turn around and be like that's really sensitive i don't think that's a good idea right <laughs> so um i don't know chief if you have any input on on I think, that but i,
1: I think I. I- probably some clarification, right? So I've been working in, uh, special programs, um, and secure missions for, wow, <laughs> 20 years.
0: You're aging yourself chief. <laughs>
1: yeah. For 20 years. Right. Um, so what we're really looking at is not just individual stories. It's the co-location of information quite often, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things that are just flat out. We can't share because, uh, it would, uh, you know, kind of tip our hand to uh, a technique or a, a tactical um, procedure that we might use, um, or maybe it lends itself to give uh, our adversaries an idea of some of our capabilities that we are wanting to to keep uh, tight. Exactly. In some cases, uh, it's even um, it may be able to allow uh, our adversary to actually attribute um, some things to us specifically, which is not always what we want to do mm-hmm. um, then we would talk about specifically within cyberspace and going back to the all that information floating in the cloud right so here's a, a large uh, degree of information and when we talk about um, opsec and Info- infosec um, we're really trying to keep from all this information to be co-located to give our adversaries a clear picture of what our capabilities are um, you know what resources we have, and uh what we're capable of um actually doing against them that information is valuable right because mm-hmm. then they can defend against it they can find holes in it um and it's very important so when we put all that stuff together in cyberspace even a small story about movements and or you know new purchases of equipment or um maybe what this airman was doing or what location they were doing it and you know cyberspace is uh it's a data trove right mm-hmm. it is just it, think of it it, it is a landfill of information, right? That's just there. So Mm -hmm. if you think about resources, if you had the right kind of tool, the right kind of mining tool, and you go through that landfill, you're going to be able to find all kinds of resources. You're going to find all kinds of information. You're going to find all kinds of products. You're going to be able to find all these things that you might be able to use for something else. And mm-hmm. cyberspace kind of does that as well. So all this data is out there, all this information's out there uh, with the right algorithm and um, the right um, searching and, and techniques, you could put together a pretty clear picture of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and think about that from an individual perspective, you know, go back to the internet of things, all of the things that you have, your microwave that's now linked. No lie. I looked into that one of those things. <laughs> Creepy. Um, your, your refrigerator. I can find out what's in my refrigerator on an app now <laughs> in some cases, right? Um, I can look at cameras in my house. All this stuff, right? So if that's at your level, imagine that from an enterprise level, uh, like the Air Force uh, specifically, and how I can grab all that information if it's not encrypted, if it's not secure, and if it's not defended. And what I can tell about an individual -hmm. Or an organization.
0: Yep, exactly, Chief. I mean, you hit on a lot of excellent points there. It's about not displaying or tipping our hand too much when it comes to patterns and then also what our adversaries can infer from that information.
1: Right. So, yeah, and it's not, again, we don't want to, you know, not share these stories or we don't want to, you know, highlight the good things our airmen do. But uh, on occasion, that risk is just not mm-hmm. worth that, that reward.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it, it is a struggle to get these stories told because cyber airmen in our wing are doing a lot of amazing things, but, um, at the same time, it's gotta be strategic storytelling. So it's definitely been an interesting experience that, uh, this past couple of years, uh, working with the 960th and <laughs> trying to get these stories told. And <laughs> right. Sometimes
1: it does feel like we get handcuffed or we get barriered in where we can't do certain things. Um, mm-hmm and and sometimes we overuse it too, right but um you know it's always in the effort or in the vein of let's make sure we're doing the right thing so that we don't um give away too much and then put ourselves at a detriment
0: yeah exactly and you know i've seen personally seen the reach of this wing and and the airmen that are working in it and what they've been involved with and everything and it is way more far reaching than i anticipated when i first came on board however Again, got to be careful about what stories we tell and how we tell it.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I would stick with the fact that uh, this domain is global Mm -hmm. and we're in it.
0: Yep. (laughs) So one last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, Chief, is uh, going through and working with the 960th, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about the Great Power Competition. Can you just geek out with us one more time and just kind of explain how we fit into the great power competition that's happening?
1: Right, you know that is an exciting and scary question I'm in one the same <laughs> sense, right Again, we, going back to uh, the different domains, right? The way I try to leverage that is, is for a nation or even an individual to get into the air domain, quite expensive, right? billions of dollars. yeah right? when we talk about uh, the sea domain, aircraft carriers billions of dollars. I'm sure you can nickel and dime that down to smaller smaller crafts and different uh, resources, mm-hmm. and even land domain, you know, to have that kind of uh, dominance. But the question I have for you is how much does a laptop cost?
0: In comparison, not that much. A
1: few hundred dollars. Yeah. So the cost of entry into cyber domain is fairly inexpensive. So When we talk about the great power competition, when the, we look at how this domain is defined. When we look at the fact that uh, there's so many different entry points, that the domain is constantly growing. Uh, the Internet of Things. There's so many different touch points that are now vulnerable, right? Uh, as the expanse of going away from hardwired lands into Wi-Fi networks, you know, and some of those wi- uh, Wi-Fi networks are large, right? Mm-hmm. You think about a major metropolitan city. Um, you think about all of these open spaces. Um, yes, wi can be secure, but I have billions mm-hmm. with a B yeah. <laughs> of potential entry points. And I have a cost of entry so low that, you know, it's really easy for uh, bang for the buck for a nation, right? So emerging nations or even larger nations, um, uh, quite often we talk about the great power competition. We talk about China, we talk about Russia, you know, to have effects, uh, in this domain, is is pretty uh, cost-effective, right? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the Internet of Things again, when we look at all of the different domains that now connect within this domain, right? You have all of these different connections, all the parts and pieces um, that come into play. I think about the supply chain issues we're having today right mm-hmm. now. All of these things do end up being connected. Um, look at the a um, couple of the ransomware attacks uh, in the past year. All of these things come to play, Mm -hmm. right? So um, the Great Power Competition and and how we get involved in that um, is really from a defensive perspective, right? We understand that uh, the threat is real, the threat is uh, out there, and the threat is uh, cost-effective for our adversary. What we have to do is ensure that we minimize the amount of vulnerabilities we have, right? So as much as we dislike those annual uh, trainings, right? Mm-hmm. They're there for a reason to give us at least a, a cursory thought of, um, some of the, uh, the threats that we have, mm-hmm. um, you know, insider threat, actual, uh, hardware threats, um, or, and even some, some unintended threats through phishing, spear phishing, and, um, you know, some of the link attacks that, that occur. Right. Yeah. So the whole idea is that if we as an organization are, um, Getting after that and we are able to thwart our adversaries, whether it's um, a great uh, nation, you know, a peer nation, Mm -hmm. a near peer nation or even just a lone wolf. Mm -hmm. That we have most of these uh, threats or these opportunities for them to, to gain access limited and tracked and flagged so that we can then thwart that. So then as we project out from there, when we talk about offensive campaigns, if our house is secure, right, if our fortress is secure and we have everything here now, then we have we can keep uh, our stuff moving. And now we have to prevent our adversary from doing the same, much mm-hmm. like they do to us. Right. So the the crazy part about our domain being global is that, yeah, everything's connected mm-hmm. one way or another. There's a route somewhere, somehow that <laughs> most of these things can connect to. So everything uh, has access. Everything is be vulnerable and then it's through a good defensive posture that uh, we can actually uh, be prepped and defend our house so that uh, a we can maintain and keep moving our mission forward while then thwarting our enemy. You no, know, I can't really get into too many actual details. Yeah. Um. But when it goes to the great power competition, um, and we talk about cyberspace, it's evolving every minute. We are gaining speed. It, the uh, the internet or and uh, the internet of things is growing. A new device gets connected every second, um, or multiple devices per second, and that domain is expanding. Which means every new device leads to one more vulnerability, which then also leads to one more thing. You kind of have to, you know, ingest in this big piece of data, the data cloud, and then prevent it from being a threat to us specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, uh, building the right algorithms, using uh, artificial intelligence, using good uh, old-fashioned hard work, Mm-hmm. Having operators in, in place and making sure that we are, you know, constantly testing and uh training against those different threats and getting everything prep. I can get into a lot more details. <laughs> I can make out a lot more long uh much longer on that, mm-hmm. but I don't want to lose lose people uh <laughs> too far into that. Um I just can only emphasize the fact that we as individuals do take technology for granted at times. And for each new piece of technology, make sure that you go through the process of securing it so that you limit that threat to yourself as an individual and then limit it as a threat to um, the greater good of the the nation, right? You have to make sure that that's all squared away so that uh, they're not collecting data on you. That way they don't have an entry point into our networks and that we are keeping our house secure so that we can continue our way of life and prevent our adversaries from preventing us to meet our uh, nation's call so,
0: so shameless plug here that i'm going to put out to the audience um and because this i think directly applies to what you just said about checking your devices uh please please on social media check your privacy settings make sure they're set the way you want them to and then look over the information you're putting out there you know uh sometimes our I've, But not sometimes, actually, our adversaries are looking at our members' uh, Facebook profiles, our Instagram profiles, our Twitter pages and feeds, you know, so uh, just shameless plug right here from from PA, please be careful. I'm
1: going to have to put a hook (laughs) in for another episode, Um, but that leads me to one thing that I'd like to throw out there, critical thinking. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, when we talk about social media, we talk about how we ingest information and data is making sure that... We are critically looking at what is being presented to us, how it's being presented to us, and then also making sure that we are validating sources and validating the information and not just um, ingesting blindly. This is, you got to look at this as a fine meal, not as a Mm -hmm. Big Mac. You're just going to swallow and go,
0: (laughs) right? Yeah, there's there's definitely some nonsense I've seen out on, in Facebook land, you know, not going to lie. And then, you know, I've known people who've completely bought into it and it's, not even realistic. It's like, do these people science? (laughs) But anyway, chief, we're getting uh, pretty short on time. So I just want to punt one last thing to you. Is there anything that we um, didn't cover that you wanted to bring up or talk about any last messaging for our gladiators out there?
1: Um, Yes. So cyberspace is exciting. And if uh, there's plenty of opportunities here in cyberspace, Um, at different levels for anybody that's interested in being part of this domain, part of this mission set, by all means, ask questions, reach through our PA, reach through the website, Uh, ask us questions, more than willing to answer uh, any kind of questions you may have. Um, But also make sure that you uh, critically think and make sure that you keep yourself secure because you all out there are important to us and uh, your success is our success. And if, if we can get a little bit out of that, that's a huge win for me. Um, and I want to thank everybody out there for what they do every day, uh, keeping this nation safe.
0: All right. Well, uh, Chief, I think this wraps up our uh, our episode. Um, yep.
1: So gladiators, <laughs> I have to finish off with, uh, you know, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for answering your nation's call. Um, thank you for your sacrifice. And uh, thank you for all that you do every day in uh, securing this nation and getting after uh, our mission sets that uh, that are in front of us. And remember, get out there and stab the enemy in the face through cyberspace.